Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to curiositystream.com slash not overthinking. For less than $15 a year, you get access to thousands of high quality documentaries on CuriosityStream, and you'll also get a special link to our podcast feed with all of the ads taken out. My name is Ali, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hey everyone, quick message slash request before we start. One of our listeners recently nominated us for the British Podcast Awards Listener's Choice, uh, supported by the BBC. Uh, and it would be really awesome if we could actually get this thing. I think it really uh, exposed the podcast to a whole new audience. Uh, so if you have literally you know, 15 seconds, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you could go to britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Uh, and there's a little search box and just search for not overthinking uh, and then just leave like your name uh, and press vote or whatever, uh, and it will get a vote for us. Um, I think the the voting closes on six July, so it's yeah about a week from now. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be awesome if you do this. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Thanks a lot, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome back to Not Overthinking. Tamil, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. We actually haven't recorded one of these for a couple of weeks, but we had some in the bank, and so we managed to release an episode last week. Uh, but I think it's good to be doing this again. Yeah, it's nice to kind of sit across the table and, ch- and chat to you. I think now the lockdown rules are officially slightly lessened, which means I'm allowed to spend time here. Yeah. Um, provided we're like social distancing or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a nice week for, on a couple of grounds. The first is a, is a social ground. Uh, I've had two outdoor picnics with people or with groups of people. Uh, so a few days ago, I went to Hyde Park with some friends and we had a, a picnic there. And it, it kind of got me thinking that if it weren't for the whole lockdown thing, I probably wouldn't have a picnic with my friends. We would probably have just gone out to dinner at some restaurant and it would have been nice or whatever. But the picnic vibe is actually a lot better, especially in summer when, it, when it's nice and sunny. Uh, and it was just way more fun than it would have been if we'd just gone out to dinner. But yeah, without the lockdown thing, we wouldn't have thought about doing that. Uh, it just comes back to the whole like intentional socializing thing. And, you know, every now and then there's like a global pandemic that forces you to reevaluate how you, how you socialize with people. But, I, I, yeah, it kind of made me think, like, what other things, what other sort of ways of the past am I stuck in that it'll be worth being a bit more intentional about? And I think, yeah, just like the standard dinner outing of like going out to dinner is... Yeah, I think that's very overrated. It's a very sort of easy thing to do, but I always feel that it's the lowest common denominator of social interaction like yeah. al- almost anything you do will be better than just going out to dinner with friends and yeah i get it like just going out to dinner with friends is absolutely fine and it's fairly low friction but a little bit more effort like inviting people to your place and like cooking something yeah. is like three times more fun than just going out random randomly to dinner for example yeah yeah i totally agree so that, that was one like social thing yeah. why wasn't i invited to, uh, to this high park, high park picnic <laughs> most importantly because you don't live in london <laughs> i mean i can always drive to london it's only an hour away <laughs> all right you'll uh, you'll get the next invite <laughs> thank you thank you and then yesterday we hung out with with our cousins uh, in london again and that was that was fun that was good vibes yeah um oh yeah so that was one of the grounds the other ground was that we finally decided to make use of the causal twitter account and we post a little a little what is causal thread uh, on the causal twitter account uh, and that was very well received. I think we got like over 500 likes or something and over 100 retweets and a ton of signups and that kind of stuff. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, so that, <laughs> the power of Twitter. The power of Twitter, yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's one of the things I want to talk about today. Um, but why don't you tell me about your, your past couple of weeks first? Past couple of weeks? Oh, yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it? I don't know. I feel like my past, my past couple of weeks have mostly been revolving around 
going to work, coming home, making videos and repeating the process. But I did recently discover the power of playing Frisbee out in the yard. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's so good. So a few, I think two weeks ago, I bought one of those aerobie Frisbees. It's like one of those Frisbees that have a hole in the middle. Yeah. And it's sort of made out of rubber. So it's nice and sort of, it's reasonably comfortable when you catch it. And allegedly they can go absolutely miles if you throw them hard and, and they can. And so what me and Molly have been doing, Molly and I, uh, is that we go out, we've got this like park area just outside the house that we've literally never, ever, ever used before. Yeah. But because of the whole lockdown thing. And so we've, we've sort of been inviting people over for like outdoor picnics and stuff in this park. And we think, oh damn, this is actually a really nice park. Yeah. And now every evening it's like, it gets to like 7 PM and it's reasonably, reasonably light outside. And I say to Molly, hey Molly, fancy playing some Frisbee. (laughs) She's like, yeah, all right. We'll just play Frisbee for 20 minutes. It's just so easy because we've got like a little park thing outside our front yard that, that we've like never, ever used before. Yeah um and frisbee is incredible like, it's it's a thing i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend to everyone because when you get that perfect throw you feel like a legit airbender <laughs> you feel like you've got the superpower where you can just like the, the frisbee launches and, it, and, you, and then you can like plan plan the curving so you're like oh and then it goes straight into the hand nice. and you feel like a legend and then they feel good because they've caught it yeah and it's like real endorphins released on both sides yeah, the thrower yeah, yeah. and the catcher yeah and there's something very satisfying about it yeah, th- I think I think that that's a pretty good insight. Like the throwing and the catching is both like fun. <laughs> yeah, we should actually play play frisbee after this. I've, I brought the frisbee along. Yeah, mate, I'm down. I'm down. That's pretty cool. Yeah, again, that's another thing that I just. I mean, would you have thought of doing that if it weren't for the lockdown? Probably not. <laughs> Because normally if we, if we were to invite people over, it would be a case of inviting people over for a takeaway yeah. and just kind of sitting indoors and maybe playing a board game or something. Mm. But, you know, there's benches on this park outside as well. And I, I, I was even thinking, wow, this, it's actually quite, quite a nice day. There's benches. I could just come out here with my laptop and a coffee rather than yeah. sit at my desk with my laptop and a coffee. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of take advantage more of outdoor spaces and things. Yeah, man spending a bit more time on the balcony as well. Like, so we've, we've had this balcony in the flat for the last two years and used it maybe three or four times in that time. Um, but the other day I, I took the yoga mat outside and did some sort of homework at workout thingies outside wow. rather than in the living room. Yeah. And it was just so much nicer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking then that the, the frictions that are stopping me from using the balcony at the moment are the fact that it's full of cobwebs. Ooh. And so I started thinking, so we've, we've got the cleaner coming back in next week. So the first task on his, on his list will be to please clean the balcony. Nice. But yeah, I think outdoor spaces are uh, underrated. <laughs> so that was my kind of insight of the, of the last fortnight. Very good. Is this a sponsored episode? I think it is. Um, <laughs> Who's sponsoring us? <laughs> I think this episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Is it? I think so, because you did the brilliant plug for last week's episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that, that worked. So this episode is sponsored by Skillshare, I hope. Yeah. Uh, what is Skillshare, Tamor? You've, you've, the, this ain't your first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skillshare is the best way to learn anything online. Uh, they have online classes for practically anything you can think of you have a new class coming out this weekend ali i have a class coming out this weekend about productivity my favorite thing in the world nice your favorite thing in the world it's actually like we've actually included some clips from episode 52 of the podcast which was called the principles of productivity where i was kind of i don't know if you remember but i was talking you through the the thingies of the class and you were kind of giving an example of how you know if you're not enjoying what you do, then then you're the mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's all included in. It's part of the Skillshare class about productivity. So you should definitely check that out at skillshare.com slash not overthinking. They've also got a ton of other classes on all sorts of creative things like uh, video editing, graphic design, digital illustration, uh, even cooking. I took a cooking class on Skillshare like oh, yeah. a, few, a few years ago and learned how to cook a roast chicken. So I did that once and then never did it ever <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, they've got loads of classes. You can check out some of mine. I've got another class on how to study for exams, uh, another one on how to use flashcards, the app Anki, another one on how to edit videos in Final Cut. It's just really good. 
And then, you know, you can sign up for a two-month free trial at Skillshare.com slash not overthinking. And then once you've done that, the premium membership is like $10 a month, which is totally, totally worth it and like objectively better for you than Netflix, for example. So that is Skillshare Plug. Thank you for sponsoring this uh, episode. Yeah, thank you to Skillshare. So what are we actually talking about? Right, so the thing, the thing that we're actually talking about is, you, you know, you beat this drum of like, everyone should have a personal brand, oh, create stuff online. Yes. And, you know, I, I beat the drum to an extent uh, with my friends and I, I'm often trying to push friends towards doing that kind of thing mm. because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people have a natural inclination to like, to want to do something like that. Uh, and so if, if I see that in someone, I do try and push them towards making the right steps. And I think... I think I finally realized what a lot of the issue is when talking to people and trying to like convince them of this thing is. Oh, I feel like uh, your approach so far and mine to an extent is kind of like this, right? A friend might say, uh, you know, you you might go, a friend might say, oh man, I kind of, I I don't like my job or something. There must, there must be a better, there must be a better sort of setup in life, right? Yeah. Uh, And then, and then you'll come to them and you'll say, "Uh, look, man, I've got just the thing for you. I've discovered it. It'll solve all your problems. It, it's fun. It'll make you money. What you need to do is become a professional golf player, right? <laughs> and then your friend will be like, uh, okay, uh, tell me a bit more. And then, and then you're like, look, man, I've, I've, I've done the research. Statistically, it's actually not that hard to become a professional golf player. It's really fun. You know, it, you start making money pretty early on. Um, uh, and so, you know, worst case scenario, you'll have fun, but you'll probably also make some money in the long run if you if you keep at it. Uh, and then your friend will be kind of, be, uh, and then you might say something like, "So, when when are you starting?" <laughs> and then your friend, your friend will probably be uh, say something like, uh, "Okay, uh, I guess it does tick the fun box and it does tick the money box, but." I, I don't know, like, why would I become a professional golf player? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that that's kind of how it, it probably comes across right now, where people, you know, people have an image of their current life set up that would probably be like, you know, job, friends, family, maybe like playing sports at the weekend with the boys or something, you know? Like, that that's what their life looks like currently. And then you're kind of adding this complete, this thing that's in like a completely different category. You're saying like, hey, add a whole new category of thing to your life Mm. and spend a lot of time on this. And and that category will seem like a really random thing. Like for someone to suggest that you play, uh, you start playing professional golf, it seems like completely random and out of nowhere. It doesn't really make sense how or why this possibly fits into the life they're currently living now, right? And so I, I feel like a lot of the times when, you and I and, and probably other people are beating this drum. That's probably how it comes across. It's like, you know, I've, I've got all this stuff in my life. Hey, man, you should start a blog. Why don't I start a blog? <laughs> Why don't you just make a YouTube channel, dude? <laughs> Why the hell would I make a YouTube channel? You might as well be asking them to play professional golf. <laughs> right? And so the, the the insight is basically that I think it, it needs a bit more of a, a bottom-up approach because I think... As in, sort of building up the case from first principles, yeah, and yeah. And, arri- and just and arriving at the conclusion that you should have a blog, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, rather than starting off with that and then trying to justify it once they've already got this, like, why the hell would I do that? Yeah, yeah. I think it it, it needs a bit more of a bottom up approach, and and that bottom up approach needs it needs to come from an understanding of what is really going on, uh, and. But, you know, the, the, this, the thing about the causal launch on Twitter, it also got me thinking about this. 
And I think what's what's basically going on in all of this is if you don't have a presence on the internet, you are essentially limiting your entire life to the physical space around you. You're limiting the people you interact with to the physical space around you. You're limiting to, you know, the, the sort of ideas that you put out there and the ideas that you're exposed to, so like the physical space around you, job opportunities, you know, collaborations, everything is just limited to your geography if you don't have some sort of a physical, uh, an online presence. And I, I think that is a starting point that most people would think, oh, okay, that's a, that's yeah, a pretty good that point. That's pretty reasonable, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've not thought of it in those terms. <laughs> and and that, is, that is basically what the internet is, right? It takes, you know, it, it enables all sorts of things that weren't possible before, but probably most crucially, it enables you to to break out of your your physical chains, you know, <laughs> like yeah, it just it just seems crazy to lim- limit ninety nine percent of your life to what is going on physically around you within arm's reach. Yeah, and I think most people would agree with that. I think it's kind of like how most people will come around to agreeing with online dating. So, for example, if 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 someone, I I think the the analogy is similar. If if someone is having issues in their dating life. The, and, and, and they haven't got accounts on Tinder, Bumble and Hinge, for example, the obvious answer is make an account on Tinder, Bumble and Hinge. Like, why wouldn't you? But as, as you and I know from trying to convince a lot of our Asian friends to do this, it seems equivalent to asking them to become a professional golfer. Yeah. Like, why the hell would I make an account on Tinder? Yeah. But I think sort of, st- I, I suppose, building it up from the first principles of, look, man, <laughs> you know, the only people you currently meet in your life are the boys and the people who you happen to run into at work. How are, you, are you, how are you possibly going to meet anyone else? Like, <laughs> what circumstances are there in which, like, yeah. are you actually going to go to a speed dating event? Not in a million years. You know, therefore, you want to start using the power of the internet. You might as well use this thing called Tinder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I, th- I, th- I think that's like a starting point that anyone can get on the same page uh, as you on. And I think, honestly, like, in a few years' time, people are going to look back and think, it, it was... How did how did the world function before people before you could collaborate with random strangers over the internet? Like, how did anything happen? <laughs> um, so, I think I think that's a, that's a good starting point. So, how, how did your Twitter experience kind of tie into that? Oh, I was just thinking that, like, oh, oh like, why, why, yeah, why, an, is that why, why specifically to the the causal Twitter launch? Oh, just because like that was like a bit essentially an, an instant way for. I don't know the 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 Twitter thread got like fifty thousand impressions. Uh, it got like you know, like I said, uh, a lot a lot of people saw it. A lot of people signed up. It kicks off a lot of interesting conversations. Uh, you know, people signing into my DMs, offering to invest, and all of this kind of stuff. And and this just happens because you're not limiting yourself to the people physically around you. Um, it, it's the same thing. It's just like more of a so why, promotional thing. Why hadn't you done this before? With the causal causal Twitter, because you've had a, a Twitter account for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, we've had we've had a Twitter account for a while. It was just a matter of like, when do we want to? Okay, th- this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm happy to, I'm happy to go down it. Basically, there are a few discrete kind of ways you can launch something on the internet. One is to kick off like a Twitter thing. One is on something like Product Hunt. You can do that like once, maybe twice uh, over a company's life. You know, one one is on Hacker News, and so y- you kind of have to use these. Uh, sort of speed boosts when you think is a good time and i think now now was the right time to use the twitter speed boost um a a bit later this year we'll probably do product hunts and and all of that oh okay because i guess because really early on you want to do the hacker news launch where it's like a niche tech audience uh kind of what you do or like yeah yeah it's just about like who are the audiences what stage is the product at you know like if if we tried this twitter thing a year ago when we started 
we basically had nothing it wouldn't have been very interesting for anyone now the products are the stage where we can have a whole thread of like really nice looking gifts about different features um and you know it, it's a compelling thing for people to look at so that that's kind of why we did it now anyway that that's a bit of a tangent cool fair enough <laughs> um so yeah, the, I, I think the, the the bottom up starting point of like why the hell would you limit your li- limit your life to your little village that you live in? <laughs> uh, I, I think I think that's a good starting point. And then I think the next one is kind of like if you ask someone, you know, what they what they like, what, what they do in their life, what they like doing, there's going to be you know they'll they'll say something like you know I like hanging out with my friends. Uh, I have some sort of intellectual satisfaction from. Uh, this thing that I'm interested in or this job that I do, that kind of stuff. Uh, and all of these very dr- directly translate to having an online presence. Uh, you know, Twitter is basically, you know, making friends with with people outside your village. Uh, you know, if you have like a, a blog where you write your thoughts, that's kind of pushing your intellectual interests outside your own little village, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, I do like this little village framing actually, mm. because it, I think it dismisses it appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an appropriate amount of dismissal. <laughs> yeah it's like only slightly twattish yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and like if i just look back like basically everything has come from everything i i've ever done has kind of come out of this like i got my i got my first internship because i made speed sums that someone saw really and thought it was cool that was how you got your first internship uh yeah like oh. at whiz with with Janet, right yeah he saw speed sounds. He's like, okay, this guy's studying maths. He's into this tech stuff. You know, he's a good fit for for our company. Wow, incredible! <laughs> I, I got I got my second internship via speed subs. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'd posted it on like, uh, you know, the university had like a you know, uh, 2013 maths Facebook group of people who joined the maths program in 2013, and I posted speed sums on there after I built it, and then it it was you know a bunch of people who did maths in my year started playing with it. One of those people was friends with a guy who started a biotech company uh, and he was looking for someone to do some software stuff for that. And yeah, he remembered Sweet Tums and reached out and it all basically came from that. And that all basically came from leaving my little village and joining an online forum where people were doing things like making websites and photography and building computers and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, even for causal, like everything has come out of like the random kindness of strangers from like investor intros to early customers, early users, all this kind of stuff is all just happened by the magic of the internet and the magic of leaving my village. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about speed sums for a moment there, because um, I think one very uh, sort of slightly meta game, one good way of promoting this podcast, which is kind of what I want to do is start incorporating bits of it into YouTube videos. And I think what you've just described is a perfect sort of uh, plug for why you should learn to code <laughs> and so can you just sort of quickly describe the sort of trajectory like where did speed sums fit in and how how good do you like what is speed sums like how how did it work what, what was the background okay yeah i think the background was programming was on my radar i started getting into computers i don't know like secondary school or something year seven maybe same as you roughly um i mostly dabbled in like graphic design and that kind of stuff i think i had a a natural draw towards designy things uh, but programming always seemed like this weird foreign thing that's like oh that's that's too hard like I professional golf yeah yeah like professional golf yeah <laughs> yeah I, I don't think i was tiger woods or whatever um but then i think when i was 16 or something we went to the cinema to watch the social network uh the, the movie about the founding of facebook then i was like okay 
if that guy can do it, I can definitely do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> was that actually your thought process? Yeah. Like, if if Mark Zuckerberg, this this Harvard guy, can do it, yeah, how hard can it be? It wasn't. It wasn't like this Harvard guy and and like genius guy. It was more like if this guy can sit in his dorm room and make that thing, like you know, of course I I can do that as well, basically. Okay. Um, and yeah, then it was like, okay, I, I'm going to learn this thing. Uh, made a made a bunch of stupid websites. Um, and then a few years later. Uh, made another stupid website called speedsums.com <laughs> uh, and the concept was basically uh, i don't know if uh, do you remember dr kawashima's brain training on nintendo ds oh yes one of, one of the og nintendo ds games <laughs> right so there was there was a mini game within that called calculations times 20 and they also had calculations times 100 and in this mini game they just give you like 20 or 100 random maths calculations using uh numbers from 1 to 12 so might be, you know, 12 times 4 5 plus 8 that kind of stuff and then with the DS stylus, you like write the answer. And I got really good at that. I remember, I think my best score for calculations times 20 was under six seconds. I got, I got like my stylus movement so quick that I could, I could like bash it more than one of these out a second. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I just never got bored of calculations times 20. <laughs> and so I thought it would be pretty fun if there was like an online version of that. And so I think instead of uh, revising for my collections, which are like mock exams, uh, I, in the holiday after my first term at university, I built speed sums and then yeah, just kind of like made this website where you click a button to start the test and then it gives you 30 seconds of questions and you get a score based on how many questions you can answer. And yeah, it was just like a fun little jokey thing. A few of my friends played it, a few, you know, a few random people like the maths people uh, at university played it. Um, but that was, yeah, it was nice. It was the first time I had a project that people actually... A non-trivial number of people actually used. I posted it on Hacker News. It was on on the front page for a bit uh, in first year. I remember that. I remember there was like three hundred people on the site at the same time or something when I was Whoa. in my room. <laughs> I was like, "Man, this is sick!" And I like yeah. screenshotted the Google Analytics <laughs> and stuff like that. So that was a magical moment. It was like the first time I built something and people were actually using it. And how how much sort of coding chops did you have prior to building Speedsums? I don't know. It's really hard to quantify, but. Yeah, I mean, I'd spend a decent amount of time learning how to do that stuff. You know, it took a lot of... It's in, uh, what I'm trying to get you to say is that you actually didn't know how to build it before you got started and you sort of figured it out as, as you went along. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah which is which is a non-trivial insight for people learning to code. Yeah, you're right. Because you're right. for a lot of people sort of wanting to become, for example, professional golfers, it's, you know, it's like, where do you start? It's like sort, yep. of, sort of this black box. Yeah. But I think what people should sort of realize as a, what people realize very quickly as they start to learn to code is that yeah. actually a lot of it is being able to figure stuff out yeah, yeah, yeah. and not about knowing a load of stuff up front yeah speed sums was actually very, basically in terms of the technical stuff required it was basically analogous to the very first website i made which was called Clickfilia, uh where you just make an account and there's a button and you click that button and every time you do it your score goes up by one and that was the whole game you just smash this button <laughs> uh, and so speed sums was you know technically almost identical to that uh and the way i kind of did that was uh, honestly i essentially posted a thread on this forum saying hey guys i want to make this website i literally have no idea where to get started how do i do it here's how i want it to work and then people replied saying okay cool you will need uh, a database to store your user accounts and things like that you know you should use mysql or something and you'll need some like server-side code to actually save the stuff you should write php or something you'll need to learn some javascript to like click the button this kind of stuff um and yeah just 
based on that form and people helping me out, I uh, I sort of bashed my head against it enough to, to actually figure it out. And I think that's that's like the standard way to do it. Uh, and basically anyone can do this. Yeah, 100%. Um, my kind of spiel these days, because I've, I've had the spiel of everyone should learn to code for a, for a while now. But it's only recently that the spiel started to change to like this. This idea of learn to code is a very sort of nebulous. It's like, a go- what does what does yeah. code even mean? Yeah. Um, and people have this idea that I want to make an app, but making an app is super super hard. Like making an app should not be the first thing. Yeah. Like making a website <laughs> yeah. is significantly easier. It sounds a lot less sexy than making an app yeah. because people think, oh, app, like app store, iOS, yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the thought process, is, but like making a website is how you want to start, and then learning the basics of HTML and CSS, which you can do in literally like a day. Um, and the first thing I suggest is, is that if you don't have a compelling idea, then start off with just just making a personal website. Yeah. And uh, those of us who are possibly our age or slightly older, you know, the boomers would remember sort of having some potentially having like a MySpace page and getting really sort of like, oh my god, I can customize my cover like cover photo before the phrase cover photo was even a thing yeah, <laughs> on, yeah, yeah. On, on MySpace. And that was how so many pe- so many people kind of of our generation learned graphic design things like forum signatures and stuff yeah yeah yeah. so when you have this kind of presence on the internet whether it's a forum signature or your myspace page or your i don't know twitter profile pic or like or whatever it is you learn to code learn to design to make that look pretty yeah. and i think that's always a good starting point and then you can create a click filia and a, and a speed sums yeah exactly and look i think the whole learning to code thing is just a very spe- it's, it's a special case of just having a presence online it's ha- it's having a presence that like showcases a particular interest which is like you know, building stuff right um and you know if you're interested in other things you know there, there are lots of kids uh in school who are really into like stuff like politics and things like that uh and if you have a presence online and you're extending your interest in politics outside of your village you know you could you'll just have a better time you will have more fun <laughs> you'll collaborate with more people and and that's what life's about man yeah absolutely so that was the speed sums tangent coming to a close so you said all the good things in life happen because of, because of speed sums initially, and then yeah. So you were you were going on to talk about causal and all the investors and stuff that happened. Uh, oh yeah, was I going to yeah yeah basically everything in causal is as a result of strangers from the internet and yeah that's that's basically that it. was about basically <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I think it would make sense then because because we were thinking we don't really have a topic for this particular episode. It would make sense for it to be a sort of the case for having a personal website or something along those lines. Um, is there anything else that needs to be built up for someone to be to be convinced that okay, th- this is for me? I think the the final piece is is probably like the expanding the box thing because even if sort of even if logically you can lead someone to a certain point where they think okay, I should I should become a professional golfer, even if you can logically lead them there, <laughs> they probably won't do it <laughs> because it's it's still it because, still feels weird. Yeah, and like because no one they know is a professional yes, golfer. Yes, exactly. If yeah. like their whole family was professional golfers, it'd be like, all right, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how hard can it be? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, that, and as I have a friend who uh, is currently going through a bit of uh, you know career boredom or whatever uh, quarter life crisis kind of thing. Uh, and I, I've been trying to like convince him to start writing stuff online and I think he's finally over the edge and I had a call with him a couple of days ago and he, he actually said, I'm finally, yeah, I, I think I'm finally over the edge. <laughs> I now understand why it's a no brainer. <laughs> and like at the start, I, I just told him, look, it's a no brainer, man. <laughs> just become a professional golfer. <laughs> like, I really tried to do that. Um, and I think he said that, yeah, like logically I, I he was kind of, in agreement about all the various points um but it was just after like 
consuming enough sort of stories and content about other people who did it and seeing that actually this isn't some weird crazy thing loads of people do it uh that kind of yeah just drinking enough kool-aid kind of pushed him over the edge yeah it's kind of like sometimes you were saying when you were studying maths it was sort of uh, a friend would would understand what's going on would explain it to you and would lead you through like yeah, i get that bit i get yeah that bit, i get that bit <laughs> final step no i don't get that bit <laughs> yeah and they'd be frustrated as like look you've agreed with absolutely all of the other things to ride to this point yeah. why don't you get it yeah <laughs> she's like i don't know man just, yeah <laughs> yeah that was another sort of quite pivotal moment because i feel like in in teaching in general you know i used to do some tutoring and stuff in school and I'd often get to that point where, you know, the person was on the face of it agreeing with me for every step of the way, but the the sort of whole concept wasn't quite materializing in their head. And I always found it sort of hard to understand, like, look, if you're agreeing with all these things, why can't, you know, what doesn't make sense? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, being in that position myself at university really made me empathize with, um, yeah, with that. So for, for someone listening to this now, so um, I think... One thing that I've, I've started to think about is because as my videos have gotten kind of a more mainstream audience, it's so now everything I say sort of is uh, sort of it's uh, different viewers are at different points in their in the amount of Kool-Aid that they've drunk. Yeah. And so, for example, for a subset of people who saw my how much money I make at a week video and they would have thought, oh, wow, this like, you know, Skillshare class thing is amazing. I'm going to make a Skillshare class. And, you know a handful of people made Skillshare classes just off the back of that, seeing that, oh, this is possible. Yeah. But it was because they'd already been primed and already had enough in, enough Kool-Aid to know that this makes sense, know that it's possible, to know something that they could teach. Yeah. But the vast majority of people who saw that video probably thought, yeah, that's kind of cool, but you know, you're asking me to become a professional yeah, golfer. Yeah, this guy's, no- I've just watched a professional golfer on YouTube. I'm not yeah. going to become a golfer now. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I'm starting to think about is, okay, how do I, like how do i make something that sort of brings people along yeah. at preferably at whatever bit of the journey yeah, they're at yeah, yeah. so that if they're sort of just over the edge this video will tip them over to create a skillshare yeah. class for example thank you yeah. skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking or if they're not then it would sort of at least build up the process towards the point where they're yeah. relatively recent like okay to accept it yeah i've been thinking exactly the same thing because like it's a conversation that I have with lots of friends and now various friends of mine are at various stages <laughs> of indoctrination. Yeah. And I always think, man, this used to be like a webpage <laughs> with a list of like steps for how, yeah. to, <laughs> how to get high on this Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh, what was that, that, the website that you made? Uh, the one that, the, that was like listing resources for different oh yeah curate curate exactly (laughs) such a good idea (laughs) it was pinterest before pinterest really pinterest for text links (laughs) yeah yeah man someone just needs to make the canonical like (laughs) i think dave perel's ultimate guide to writing online is pretty close to the canonical. it's it's good for the writing yeah yeah the thing that i link to everyone yeah yeah yeah. it's a good canonical like these days i don't i don't even do the spiel about what everyone should start everyone should start a blog so for for example um molly is also taking a year out of medicine and was like i don't know i don't know what to do yeah (laughs) i was like molly and previously you tell us to be up a golfer (laughs) (laughs) um but more recently i was like okay so that tactic isn't working and i was like well you know I'm pretty sure you can tell me what I, I'm. I'm pretty sure you can guess what I would what, what I would suggest if I were to make a suggestion. She was like, "Yes, I know. I should start creating content online." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, you've got it." And then it it sounded like she was kind of va- vaguely open to it. 
And when I first convinced her to make a, make a personal web, make a website for her Instagram Cambridge foodie account, mm. initially she was a bit like hesitant. Um, but then after a while, she I, I sort of initially the, the seed took hold and then she kind of started looking at other people, other bloggers who had websites. She was like, yeah, these guys, these other Instagrammers are smaller than I am, but they've got websites and they seem to get more free stuff because for some reason, right, restaurants seem to like it when you post a text review about their, their thing. Yeah. And I thought <laughs> it was just about posting Instagram fit pics and I was like, well, yes. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> yeah. And then so she did this and started getting loads of free stuff from restaurants by virtue of the fact that she now had a website. Yeah. Um, and so the thing that I've been telling her is that, hey, look, you know, you're a very inspirational figure. You've got this whole disabled athlete thing going on. You've got the whole I had cancer thing. You've got the whole I'm, I'm a doctor now. <laughs> like all of these things add up really well. And to, to the point where she's, she's getting these messages from people saying, oh, my God, like you're such an inspiration. I'm disabled as well. I also have these problems and I see where you are. And this is this is incredible. Yeah. Um, and so I was saying to her that like, if, if you imagine how like the if you imagine yourself at 17, if yourself at 17 could have met someone like Molly, age 26, you know, that would have been absolutely inspiration. She was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it still hasn't quite registered Molly Hunt at Cody UK, but okay. one, one, one of these days. Nice. It if anyone wants to nab that. Yeah, I'm going to register it right now. <laughs> Sell it at a premium. Yeah. So what would be, let's say someone's listening to this and thinking, okay, Fine. I guess I should start. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, f- I feel like we still haven't quite made the case for it. Sorry. I feel like I feel like we still haven't haven't quite built built the case from the ground up. Uh. Hmm. Okay. So talk me into it. Let's say I I am super into um I'm super into widening access to education. Let's say I, I I went to a state school. I ended up going to a top university, but I know that I really had to climb a very sort of steep ladder, and I know that most other people in my position, you know, have a lot of barriers in their way. Yeah the obvious answer for someone in that position is start a, start a, start a blog. <laughs> like it's just such a no brainer, but kind of building the case from the ground up, how would that work? I think that's a bit different because that's a very specific. Yeah. I think that that's perhaps too niche an example because that's a specific thing where your goal, uh, widening access to education is a thing where you need to like, uh, you need to communicate to a group of people for this purpose. And I think most people don't have a goal like that. Most people, uh, might be in a might be in a position where Fine. Uh, let's, you know, let's change the goal. Uh, I ha- I have an interest in uh, Call of Duty Warzone to the point where I've researched the hell out of every weapon in it. No, that's not the start. <laughs> None of these are the starting point, man. The starting point is the human condition. That's the starting point. You've you still haven't got it. <laughs> oh. You still you still see this as a finite game, as an end, sort of you know, as like a fixed goal finite game so it means to an end i I have drunk the kool-aid long enough to know the benefits (laughs) of the human connection of having a presence online what i'm trying to do is put myself into the shoes of for example a listener who is thinking human connection i mean i'm i'm pretty happy with the friends that i've got like you you know in general it's 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 easier to build a case for something where there is a tangible benefit rather than starting off with the abstract that hey look man human connection (laughs) uh look i think the village thing is a clear tangible benefit no one would no one would disagree that it's crazy to never leave your village. And that's exactly what you're doing if you if you don't have a presence on the internet, largely. You know? So you're saying that by having a presence on the internet, well like what does that look like? Just having having a website with like a picture of myself on it or or what? I think it needs to be a, a presence that allows you to interact with other people. And uh, I think Twitter is these days Okay. The the way to do that. Well, like, I've got a Twitter account. Occasionally, like things. Occasionally, reply to like a celebrity. Would uh, you know? That's not helping me go outside of my village. It's not like Cristiano Ronaldo's going to no- going to notice me. Um, 
maybe Cristiano Ronaldo won't notice you, but you can... Uh, look, that, that was a bad example because I didn't know enough about football to carry on this analogy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Selena Gomez won't notice me. <laughs> All right, I don't even know what she's up to these days. <laughs> maybe Paul Graham's not going to know. <laughs> Let's take it down to your level. <laughs> okay, but now no, now none of the listeners will know. <laughs> but look, okay, fine, whatever. Um... No, no. I feel like the framing—the framing isn't isn't quite right yet. Okay, mate. what's the framing? <laughs> I think one thing to say is that at, at least when I've had these conversations, people are looking for a get-rich-quick scheme. Actually, yeah, that was also like something that my my friend who I was talking to who just went over the edge um, metaphorically. <laughs> that was something that he, he 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 was always thinking like, how how much money can I make out of this? I was like, dude. Shut up. Shut the hell up. Forget about the money. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, on this phone call comes in, he was like, yeah, I get what you mean about the money thing now. <laughs> um, so I meant get rich quick scheme, not just about the money, but also kind of more, more, more metaphorical. Oh, okay. I see. And that some immediate rewards. Yeah. Im- immediate rewards, crucially, without having to put much actual value into it. Because the way all these get rich quick schemes work and the way that most people think when it's like, how do I make a quick buck online? They don't think about it in terms of offering value. Like almost no one, like in, inclu- including the, the the two of us, when when we first start yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. how am I going to make money on the internet? It's it's almost like how could I scam someone? Exactly. <laughs> it's like what can, what snake oil can I sell <laughs> yeah. that will trick someone out of spending money, and then I'll yeah. make money online. So your psychic readings or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, um, my psychic readings were legit. <laughs> but so the the analogy that I used in my well, it's not really an analogy, but the the definition for money that I used in my how to make money online video was that money is ultimately just an exchange of value. If someone else values what you have, they will pay you for it. Um, And so when it comes to creating a presence online, I think it can be very easy for for, for you and me to forget to mention the part where it's kind of like making friends in real life. You can't just sort of show up and occasionally give give a thumbs up to something that someone is saying and expect that people will value what you have to say. You have to be contributing something useful to the conversation, something thoughtful, preferably. You know, it's like making friends on Twitter is, 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 is almost identical to making friends uh, in, in your village. And so I think when it, when it comes to something like just start a personal website, it's not the case that just go on card.co and sort of have a, a website that happens to have aliabdal.com and has a picture of me and has a link to my Twitter. Yeah, It's yeah. not about that. It's actually about adding value to the conversation over an extended period of time. Yeah, And I think that's a bit that you and I don't discuss enough. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I think the money thing is so interesting, man. I was, I was at this high pot picnic. We were talking about this as well, about sort of yeah, oh, different thanks for the invite. <laughs> different like mental models for money, and how uh, I think a, a lot of people have the mindset that if if someone is making money, someone else is getting screwed as a result, <laughs> and seeing money as like the zero something where for someone to be making money, yeah, yeah, someone else is getting screwed. And I remember thinking this way as well. I remember in year seven. Uh, in the first few weeks of secondary school, one of the older kids, probably like a couple of years older, um, back then my entire class would uh, sit on some steps uh, by the field and we'd have like uh, break time and lunch time together and we'd just like sit there and chat and stuff. It was good, in good times. Uh, and I remember one of the older kids kind of approached us with one of those bags of five cookies from uh, from the supermarket. You know, the five big cookies or whatever. Uh, and the, the standard, the, the going price for one of these used to be one pound back in the day. One pound for a bag of five big cookies. Uh, and this guy was trying to sell it oh, to us. Oh, good old days. <laughs> this guy was trying to sell it to us for two pounds. 
and it still had the one pound price tag on it. And I remember saying to this guy, ha, you fool. <laughs> I could see the price tag. It cost you one pound. Why the hell would I pay two pounds for this? <laughs> and he said something like, yeah, obviously it costs one pound. <laughs> like, obviously I- I'm going to sell it for more than I bought it. I need to make some money out of this. And and my view of it was like, ah, this guy's trying to screw me by making me buy something for two pounds. It's actually worth one pound. When obviously he's doing the very valuable service <laughs> of bringing this thing from the supermarket to the steps where I have lunch <laughs> so I can actually buy it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was just a very like zero sum mindset. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just like the default starting point when thinking about money, I think. I Yeah, I agree. I, and I see this a lot when I make videos about apps and like, you know, a, a significant minority of the comments are like, bro, but what about free apps? There seems to be a real aversion to paying for things on the internet. Yeah. Like I think people accept that, you know, you won't go into a, into a Starbucks and be like, I want coffee for free because I can get it for free. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm going to Starbucks and I'm going to pay three quid for a cup of coffee. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, the default for almost everyone is, is the, you know, is the app free? Yeah. <laughs> why, why is that, is that a thing? I, yeah, that's something that's always annoyed me. I hope that this is changing with the new, with the new generation. I feel like it is because sort of, you know, stuff like merch. Merch is like uh, almost the the universal way to monetize a following online. Like, mm. I think I think David Dobrik makes most of his actual money from merch. He, I, I think he reinvests all of the sort of brand deals into his videos, which is a pretty smart move. And then just makes all the money from merch. I think YouTube has like demonetized him for some reason or something. So yeah, I, I don't know if he has ads on his videos anymore. Um, but but yeah, basically, merch is a standard thing to do, and it seems like. So the younger generation are just pretty normal about paying for stuff online, I think. Uh, I guess merch is still a physical good. I think, I think it, it, it also depends on where you live and what your parents' attitudes are towards that money. So I was, yeah. I was, I was doing like a study with me stream the other day on Twitch. And there was this 11-year-old from India who was, you know, spamming the chat a bit. Be like, Ali, you're an inspiration. I want to be a doctor just like you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and... He, the the conversation very briefly turned to money because he was talking about, oh, you know, tech is so expensive in India. I'm going to, I'm going to become a YouTuber once I become a doctor. And all the other guys in the chat were like, bro, by the time you, by the time you become a doctor, like YouTube probably won't be around yeah. um, and this sort of stuff. And then he was saying, you know, Ali, please, can you advise me? Do, should I get an iPad pro or not? And everyone in the, in the chat was like, bro, you said that you're 11 years old and in India and my, like, you know, things are expensive. Um, but sort of a lot of the conversation, it's, it's, it seemed to be sort of, from from the indians in the chat was i need to convince my parents to give me their credit card details in order to buy anything online yeah and my parents think any, buying anything online is a scam yeah therefore yeah, yeah. i'm not allowed to spend any money online yeah. and that was kind of similar to the attitude that you and i grew up with yeah where anything we did online it was a case of how do i get how do how do yeah, i get yeah. this for free yeah yeah if, <laughs> if i if i want to be online i have to get it myself like, yeah. <laughs> my mom's not going to just let me was, buy some random yeah it, it was just not even a it, it just it just wasn't even a thing in my mind that i, I, I could ask me to borrow her, her, her debit card it's, yeah it was just like 100 percent yeah. never ever gonna happen um and yeah i wonder if that i, I mean like i i feel it, it it must be a function of how kind of tech savvy the parents are i think so because like when you and i have kids and they're like hey you know can i buy this uh nine nine dollar subscription to skillshare <laughs> <laughs> by going on skillshare.com slash not overthinking we're not going to be like dude it's going to be a scam make sure you cancel before the two months so that they, they don't charge my card or, or whatever yeah yeah. Be like, yeah here you go mate <laughs> you're learning stuff yeah i think I think for our generation, that was probably the biggest blocker. Like, b- you needed a bank account with money in it to spend money online, and you didn't really have that until you're yeah, 16 or something. And so you had to, yeah, 
You had to sell some kind of snake oil online in order to <laughs> hustle order together. To make, some... In order to lie about your age on PayPal, get some money in a yeah. PayPal account. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Mate, have I told you, uh, uh, my, my PayPal account got banned like 10 years later because they found that I lied about my age when I was like 12. Really? <laughs> It's because I was doing so. I, I, I was converting my personal PayPal account into a business one. Yeah, I had to send my driving license as an identity check, oh, and they saw my real date of birth was 1994 and not 1989, which is what I used to say back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, "We see that you created this PayPal account when you were like 13." Yeah, um, yeah. Therefore, we have banned your PayPal account, and I was like, "Oh god, oh wow, amazing!" <laughs> Did you have a lot of money in there? Probably not. No, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> just made a new one. <laughs> yeah, PayPal are pretty harsh about that. Um, how did we get onto this? Spending money online, paying for apps. Yeah, snake oil. Was, yeah, selling snake oil, yeah. And so kind of going back to this thing of having, a, having a, a website online, you actually have to provide value in some way. You can't just expect that it's going to be. And I think when, when you and I say it, like in our heads, we know all of the work that, that it takes. Like w- when I say to someone, start a YouTube channel, what is implicit in that? Start a YouTube channel and churn out two videos a week for the next five years. Yeah. And then, and then you can almost guarantee that things will work out for you. Yeah. It's not a case of start, like, you know, make a Google account and then you'll randomly start making money. It's just, yeah. it's just not a thing. And yeah. I think when it comes to making friends on Twitter or having a personal blog, that is a side of it that needs to be spelled out rather than, because it's, it's, it's not obvious for non-professional golfers yeah. that you actually need, need to practice golf yeah. and continuously sort of work your way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I, yeah, I think the, the value thing is, is a good point. I think, and, and the get rich quick thing is also a good point. And my friend was kind of asking like, what are the, you know, where's the get rich quick part of this thing? And to sort of bypass that, I was trying to convince him that even if there are no sort of external benefits, even if you make zero dollars and you're offered zero jobs or investment as, uh, as part of this whole endeavor, it'll still be worth it for like, and the, the human connection. Uh, I, I, the word I said earlier was human condition, actually, uh, that the starting point for uh, leaving your village is just the human condition. Um, but I was trying to convince him of like the intrinsic value of essentially cultivating your own interest uh, in, in whatever that might be. And like, for example, writing online, it, it has intrinsic, even if no one reads your thing, it's a useful, a valuable exercise to do. I guess you, maybe YouTube videos are probably a bit different. If, like, I mean, it's equivalent I, to writing online. Sorry? It's equivalent to writing online. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess, like, the format of most YouTube videos is a bit different. Like, it's very rare for someone to just talk at the camera exploring some idea that they've been thinking about for an hour or something, right? Uh, it's not really a common use case for YouTube. Um, but, yeah, I, I suppose so. But I, I was trying to explain to him that even if nothing ever tangibly pans out, you will still be glad you did this, you know? And I think that's... If, they, if someone agrees with that, that's pretty useful, Hmm. useful thing i think so but i guess it's just really hard to appreciate the value of this kind of stuff until you actually do it it's such an intangible yeah it's what's the word that you kind of rating it to me for uh it's not legible enough (laughs) legible yeah yeah, I guess it's not legible enough. Um, yeah, I think that's a lost cause, actually. No one's going to be convinced of, of something yeah, that so legible. The, the line, I think especially especially because people are always kind of valuing, sort of evaluating opportunity costs. So when someone, when I give someone the spiel of, obviously you should have a personal blog and start an email newsletter and write once a week. It's like, okay, well, you know, there's some effort to set up the blog, some effort to write once a week. No one's going to read my newsletter. You know, that three, that, you know, one, two hours a week that I'm spending doing this thing is time I could be spending watching Netflix instead. You know, what is the, and and, and so there needs to be some sort of, uh, at least some sort of promise for tangible benefit that comes yeah, out of yeah, it. Fine, yeah. And that's where the whole thing of, like, uh, you know, once you, have, once you have an audience, you can then monetize that audience whenever you want. You can make money online. It's, yeah. it's a very easy 
uh, value to sell to someone yeah. as a reason for starting a blog. But then obviously the actual good reasons, the, the, the actual good things that happen in life are not a result of the money that you might happen to make as a result of the blog. It's the human condition, yeah. making friends on the internet and, and all that jazz. You know, like developing your own thinking, sharing your ideas, those intangible things that are very difficult to convince someone of when they haven't done it yet. So what do you think is like the most immediate short-term benefit? A short-term as in like within a month from starting to have an online presence, you will get this benefit. Like a, a month into your YouTube channel, for example, what were you getting from it? Uh, nice comments from people. Social status. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, that was probably the most... That's why something like YouTube is so nice because when you have a blog, it's really, really hard to see the fruits of your labor. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally your post might get picked up by some medium publication or something and reposted or, or someone might share it on Twitter. But otherwise there is no built-in virality. There's no built-in there's discovery. No yeah. yeah. Um, and it will take years and years for it to become kind of ranked on search. And like, if you have an, a new blog, you're never ever going to rank on search for anything, anything reasonable. Whereas with YouTube, like almost from day one, people will start watching your videos and commenting on them. Yeah. And those numbers are going to be modest at the start, but you know, it's better than nothing and it's good for you. And as you kind of keep doing it, you get this constant sort of drip of each video being slightly better than the last one, which is a very kind of satisfying thing. Um, which is why I tend to sort of, I, I say to people that starting a blog is all well and good, but if you can, if, you, if, you, if you've ever thought about becoming a YouTuber, then I would sort of recommend that over starting a blog. Yeah. But I suppose, I suppose benefits within, one, within the first month. Okay, it just sort of allows you to distill. Okay, so I think another thing that people worry about is what am I going to write about on a blog? Um, Dave Perel's article, The Ultimate Guide to Writing Online, has, has a few different use cases for this. One of the very easy ones is just curating things that you already have read or watched or listened to, or even just making a list of your favorite TV shows and why you like them. Yeah. It's like actually adding value to the world. Uh, and so our friend Nade made his personal blog after kind of me badgering him for like a sort of five years for this. Um, and now he's got this Instagram account uh, and he sort of posts these sort of book of the week things. And that was how I discovered Natives by Carla, which I listened to last week and like changed my life. I was like, this is so sick. Yeah. So even something, even something quite simple like that, just making an image on Instagram for sort of a book that you recommend does have the potential to kind of reach other people and help them in ways. And that is a, a benefit of yeah. a, a very immediate benefit. Like as soon as someone reads your stuff, if the right person finds it, then it could affect their life in a very positive way that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone will be convinced. <laughs> it's, it's still just a bit too abstract. I like, mean, yeah, oh, yeah, but, but, but the, the answer is there are no benefits to be gathered in, the, in a month of starting a blog. Yeah. It's like, you know, if I go to the gym for my, for my first three workouts, what are the benefits? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. none. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be painful. You're going to be sore. You're going to think, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to be able to walk down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. The benefits come from doing it every week, <laughs> three times a week for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like... Uh, I, I, th I think James Clare has a quote about this. He says, like, habits aren't a finish line to be crossed. They're a lifestyle to be lived. Mm. And we all think that, okay, how long do I have to do this thing yeah, for yeah, it to yeah. become a habit? It was like, for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that, that's why I was, I, I, I'm trying to get at this thing of, like, the intrinsic value of, like, you know, yeah. of doing it. But I guess it's... Oh. To convince to some people to become professional golfers. Yeah. Look, I think... Uh, I don't know if we're going to crack this here. I think we probably need to <clears throat> write things down to crack this. I think it would be immensely impactful if we can put together the, you know, the ultimate guide to writing online. <laughs> uh, yeah, an equivalent to the ultimate guide to writing but online. Like but like more... The ultimate yeah. guide to having an online presence or something. And I think, I actually think episode two of this podcast, why, why are we scared to put ourselves out there, is 
I certainly recommend it to everyone who's vaguely interested in this stuff because I actually have not come across a candid discussion about why it seems so scary and difficult to do this kind of thing. Mm. I don't, I'm, I'm sure it's out there in some form online. I genuinely feel like we have created something really useful and something that doesn't really exist in any good form right now. And I think that is, that's probably like the step, the first step that I'd recommend is like, listen to that thing because the thing is everyone has some sort of you know pipe dream or fantasy about like oh i I wonder what it would be like if i if i was a an a-list celebrity or like if i was an actor or you know if i had a youtube channel anyway everyone thinks at least once in their life oh you know maybe maybe i could start a youtube channel maybe i could like you know write online or something everyone will have had that thought and they will have shut it down because of all the things that we discussed in episode two of the podcast i think that as a starting point of like look you're not alone everyone who has ever done anything has had these thoughts and feelings uh and you know in the episode we just chat about it and i think that will kind of get over that massive sort of nagging hurdle Mm. that's kind of always there i think that's a really good starting point and then like yeah the rest of it cool so let's say someone's convinced what what would be kind of the first first steps for them to develop to, to sort of get an online presence uh i think twitter is a great start yeah uh twitter is really good there's actually now an, an ultimate guide to using twitter online uh it's by some folks who run a, a company called holloway they write oh, yeah. guides yeah. to things uh they wrote a guide to how to use twitter for like legit uses <laughs> and i think that that's a really good primer on twitter the uh dave Prowl's thing is a really good one in writing Maybe there's like a YouTube one. It's like streaming is also becoming a content type nowadays. That's kind of different from the others. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think starting on Twitter is probably probably a good shot because there is still an, an annoying amount of friction in setting up a personal website. Yeah. You also generally have to pay for it unless you want some crappy wordpress.blogspot.com type domain name. Yeah. There's going to be a bit of money involved. Um, and for most people starting out, probably most people listening to this are probably have some sort of aversion to paying for apps apart from Skillshare.com slash not overthinking. And so starting out on Twitter, like most things that you can, you'd want to write as a blog post, you can probably write as a Twitter thread. Um, that would be a good starting point. Yeah, I think the paying for apps thing, I think it's partly, it's partly kind of unjustified, unju- beca- so partly justified because <coughs> you, <coughs> sorry, when you're buying a coffee at Starbucks, you know what you're getting, you know what the value is going to be. You know, it's going to be a cup of coffee. You're going to drink it or whatever. If you're buying an app, you typically, I mean, maybe you've had a free trial first or something, uh, in which case you might understand the value. But if you just need to buy an app upfront without having sort of used it, it's, you know, you don't know the value. And so it's not that comparable to the coffee thing. However, I think after doing a free trial, many people would still have the mindset of like, well, free trial's done. I'm not paying for this digital <laughs> service. It's going to cancel, but I don't know. Yeah, I think for for things like buying a domain and buying and sort of getting a subscription to Squarespace, for example, which is like I don't know ten dollars a month for a, a website that's just like really good, um, squarespacecom slash Um Then, like like even then, people are averse to that. Like everyone, uh, sort of, I I, I would suggest the, the majority of people listening to this, if we said that it, it's very easy to set up your own personal website if you're willing to pay seven dollars a year for a domain and you and you're willing to pay seven dollars a month for web hosting. Most people will think, screw that, I want something for free. You don't even need the $7 a month. Nowadays, the host, uh, hosting is a commodity. Like, you don't pay for that stuff. You just need the domain. Really? It's, it's literally $7 a year, yeah. Where, where, there's there's where, so many free ways to like, do, do stuff. Well, but like for free and frictionless. As opposed that to using be, like Netlify or Heroku's free plan and spinning up a freaking I'm not suggesting dino. that. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. I think they're definitely like, like Squarespace-esque what? things. Well, for free? They're free, yeah. 
I have yet to come across one. Dude, there's loads of there's loads of these like personal website maker things. There's tons, hundred percent. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I think the money thing is interesting. Cool. Any insights of the week apart from the uh, the beauty of outdoor outdoor spaces? Were you recording this on the iPad, by the way? Okay. My insight of the week was the, was the frisbee thing. Frisbees are very good, and we should go out and play frisbee now before I go back to Cambridge. Can we just open up my Twitter drafts. Has this stopped recording? I hate this low battery, but it's still working. I have an insight. I said this at the dinner table yesterday, so it won't be news to you. But I think it's really cute when... Little kids. When little kids <laughs> kind of... Uh, yeah, well, when kids of a certain age, maybe like three to five or something, try and talk about... Are talking about something that isn't like, hey, I want to eat or something. Yeah, talking about anything non-trivial for them. Because... You can you can kind of see them thinking and like forming the words before they say them. Like it's so it's so cool to like watch the human machine kind of whirring in action. Like you don't really get that with adults, right? Like if you're looking looking at me talking, you know, I'm not having to put effort into like forming the words, thinking about what I have to say, all of this kind of stuff. Um, but when you're a little kid, when you're like four years old, you do have to do that. And like just watching someone put effort into speaking is just like the most adorable thing. It's, it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> That's an, an interesting insight. Uh, that reminds me of when me and my friend Catherine in, in, in med school were trying to learn Japanese. Oh, yeah. And we made a point that anytime we're saying a trivial sentence, we'd say it in Japanese. And so it would be a really, really frustrating experience. It would be like, Hey, Catherine, should we go out to dinner to, to uh, grab some takeaway or something? And she would go, no, no, no. <laughs> um, uh, ore wa no, um, no, no, wait, um, tomodachi de uh, ikimashoka. And, and it would be sort of like, you is, yeah, 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 yeah. See the human machine working. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like the, like the four year old trying to, yeah, four yeah, exactly. yeah. Man, what a life, eh? What a life. Uh, should we read out a review and call it a day? Play some frisbee. We also need to figure out like a way of clipping these podcast episodes uh, for like the gram and stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, there must be a good workflow for this. <laughs> All right, this is this is a funny one. <laughs> All right, this uh, this review is entitled "Greetings from Turkey" from uh, someone weird username in Turkey. Uh, he or she says, "Hi there, I am mesmerized by your productivity and consistency. The topics are fairly interesting." I also admire that you open up about yourselves in a broader sense, and it gives you the sincerity the podcasting world just needed. And Ali, will you marry me? I thought about asking it, and then afraid of being rejected. But after listening the very episode, thought, okay, why not? What do I have to lose? Crying laughing emoji. Just to say, you are so sweet, handsome, and marriable-seeming person. Heart, heart, heart. Keep up the good work, guys. It genuinely helps a lot. There you go. Nice. A nice little wedding proposal for you. Fantastic. Uh, email me at marriage at aliabdal.com. <laughs> that, uh, that genuinely exists and goes into a folder <laughs> with the label potential wives on Gmail. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, it actually does. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> if only you knew. Anyway, thank you, thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week.
That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at nOverthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.